Yes, good morning. And if that hasn't woken you up, bit of Robbie Williams, I don't know what will on a Saturday morning. It's time now for the Car News Roundup with my fellow motoring journalist, Imtha Shangiato, partner at Motoring Middle East, and Noel Ebden. Uh, good morning, gents. Morning, morning. Hello, we'll get, hello. Well, we'll get to what you guys have been driving in a moment. But have you... Um, have you have you either of you guys had the chance to, to to sample the or have a look at the Ineos Grenadier yet? I have had a wonderful look at it when it came to Dubai, the Damas Motors, and I had a quick peek around it. Very interesting vehicle, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Have you have you seen it? Not have you ever had? Yep. A- I was at the um, the reveal. I haven't driven it, but um, and it was an early production car. So oh, sorry, non production car. So yeah, they hadn't got the the interior wasn't finished and stuff. But uh, yeah, really interesting. I'm keen to drive it. It is on the way. It's on its way very soon. Uh, so Jim Ratcliffe, the chemical boss of, of uh, the, the chemical guru, I guess. I don't know if you want to call it that. But anyway, he's the man behind Ineos. And uh, he's been working on this project for five years. It's been a billion-dollar investment for him. Now, we've heard a lot about this this Grenadier. It's no-holds-barred 4x4 that looks like a Land Rover Defender but goes like a scalded cat. And uh, it's made for the serious off-roader with a ladder-frame chassis. So... Um, we caught it with, with Sir Jim just during the week, and we asked, what's next for Ineos? Where does it go from here? What about future drivetrains? Alternative fuels, electrification, would Ineos consider maybe even a suburban EV? And this is what he had to say. We'll do the pickup truck, the long wheelbase, the station wagon, but with a small cutaway pickup at back. I think the Grenadier is perfect for a hydrogen engine in time, but what we're also looking at quite carefully at the moment is a smaller version of the Grenadier electric. We need to embrace the future which is you know clearly in an urban environment is going to be electric but even in a, a country environment when you're a farmer you probably will have an electric car which you can drive around on tracks and things like that so you want one that's capable but it's electric so I think that's our, our sort of vision at the moment. Yeah, an interesting one. Looking at a smaller urbanised electric uh, under the uh, vehicle under the Grenadier badge. Uh, in his mind, he had with with this car that he's developed now. He's had certain key points that uh, it had to meet, or as he put it, uh, three points to a triangle: reliability, off-road capability, and looks. If you, if you take those three points, the triangle, and you you try and rate a Land Cruiser or a Defender or a BMW X5, you can you can rate them on the triangle quite easily. So the idea was on my triangle to make a car which was excellent at the three things. In terms of design, it has to look good. You know, it wanted to be a, a sort of a more modern interpretation of the four by fours that were around, not moving in the direction of these luxury SUVs or things, you know, it wanted to be functional and tough. Yeah, so so he's a guy who's had zero automotive experience before he got involved in this. Um, as you said, he's been involved with chemical companies and, and that sort of thing, decided to get into it. So therefore, he had to partner up with, with, with other people, some established players, namely Magna Steyr in Austria, which uh, we know probably most likely is a company that builds a G-Class Mercedes, uh, among many other cars, and also BMW for the powertrain. Obviously, with a good partnership with BMW, with a you know, fabulous powertrain, with a really good partnership with Magna. We finished up buying that fabulous car facility in the middle of COVID. I mean, that was an opportunity that popped out of the woodwork and we were lucky. It was a brand new facility, a capacity of 60,000 vehicles for the new paint shop, body shop and assembly line. Um, and it was fairly perfect for the trend here, really. Yeah, so there's a guy who, who was... Uh if you want to go back to the beginning, he was disillusioned by what was on the market, uh, what the mainstream was offering in that he couldn't find a car that wasn't a luxury compromise, just wanted a, 
a serious off-roader. Now, both of you guys are, are into your serious off-roaders. Where, where's your head thinking in terms of, of, of He's doing of, of, of the concept? a lot of fancy footwork to avoid saying that it basically looks like a defender. <laughs> when he says, <laughs> yeah, but okay, I'm going I'm I'm to counter that, and I agree it does, but then so did the first Toyota Land Cruiser and so did the first Nissan Patrol. And in fact, they all look like the first Jeep. So I actually look at it as a genre of, a, of yeah. a style, like a two-door sports car or like a, like a wagon or, a, mm. or a, you know, if you're like a Wagoneer, for instance, as a first SUV. I, I kind of bridge it in that rather than being a, a clone of the most yeah. recent I'm, version of that. I'm going to go against Imshan as per usual because <laughs> <laughs> why change a habit of a lifetime? Uh, I think it looks more like a G-Wagon. It's certainly. I tell you what, the doors close like a G wagon. Yep. If you know that, yep, they've got that solid little yep. funk with the airtight. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually excited about it. I like the interior. It looks like being inside like a fighter jet. Like mm. if you've ever seen Top Gun, will get nice vibes from sitting inside a Grenadier. And of course, the roof-mounted console switches that are all toggles, absolutely delicious. Mm. Um, it's got lots of space. It feels pretty solid. Not sure about the powertrains yet because I've never really thought of BMWs as off-road engines, but I'm sure they've done the work to make it work out here. And they're going to have so much power and torque. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, here's another thing in the news that that, that popped up. Um, something I found in the uh, in the Australian industry, It kind of, it, I guess it could relate to here as well. Um, the return of discounts on new cars could still be many years away. Industry analysis have forecast after a report was re- revealed that stock shortages and high prices during the coronavirus pandemic delivered the biggest financial windfall on record to dealers across Australia. Um, Deloitte was the research firm. Now, they've been monitoring the automotive industry there for 25 years. They revealed that new car dealers made more money last year than ever before in the last 25 years. Uh, dealer profits have more than tripled over the last two years amid ongoing stock shortages, higher transaction prices and uh, the the lack of discounts and and drive-away deals. Now, the figures supplied by them show that in 2019, in the lead-up to the pandemic, and these are Australian numbers, the new car dealers on average made a profit of 600,000 Australian dollars. So that's about one and a half million dirhams a year. Last year, that dealer profit per dealer was three million, which is 7.8 million dirhams. Now, they said the last profit figures came from... uh, uh, monitoring 1,650 dealers, more than half the network of 3,000 showrooms in Australia. Um, now, Lee Peters of Deloitte said, he said, these are the most unique conditions that they've seen in the last 25 years. They're probably going to be here for the next two years. Uh, low levels of suppliers meant discounting has been all but eliminated. With less competition, most customers are no longer shopping around, so there's no need for them to visit multiple dealerships because nobody's got stock. Instead, they are visiting their local dealerships, placing an order, and trying to get in the queue as fast as possible. Now, as I said, that's the Australian market. I'd love to hear if there's any and had any anyone's had any experience in dealerships here, or even dealers if, in itself, or anyone from the industry who's listening? Um, how does that correlate with uh, with the UAE market? Because I find that staggering mm. that the the most profitable time has been during the pandemic. But the interesting thing here is that the you're looking at they're looking at stock that they have, not stock that's coming, and mm. there is no stock coming. Mm. Right. So this is a delayed reaction. So if you look if you look at the numbers. I think this year, I can't see how Deloitte think this is going to carry on for two years because there is no stock mm. globally. I mean, I had this whole conversation recently this week with a big group of car guys who physically couldn't buy cars. They'd been to dealers and been turned away. So how do you make your record figures if, you're, if, no one, if you've got no cars? You can't. Well, 
That's the thing, and that's what I'd love to know from 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 this side of the fence, mm. from people in this region. How it's how per unit profit, right? If you're not selling that many cars, you make sure that you make every drop of profit in every car. And I'm not accusing dealers of being profiteering, but I will say that they're certainly not unhappy with the current situation. But how long is it sustainable? Because the infrastructure of a dealership is built a certain way to have a certain number of service bays occupied, to have a certain number of sales staff on the floor. If you're not moving the cars. How do you maintain that infrastructure? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if there are any dealers out there or, or even consumers who've experienced that. Uh, another piece, Dubai Municipality have started digitally mapping our streets in preparation for the driverless car. Earlier, the RTA announced plans to roll out driverless taxis uh, by next year. Silicon Oasis is the first location that's being mapped. Uh, the mapping project has been carried out by using Google Maps-styled vehicles that will soon cover other locations around Dubai as well. Now, Maitha Al-Noemi is the Geographic Information Network Section Manager at Dubai Municipality, and she shared her details earlier this week on the agenda. So we have all of these data available in our databases. We are combining those data with the high-definition maps that are created by the scanning vehicle. And in order to make sure that when autonomous vehicle will move, it will have the latest update of what is available around it in order to operate or plan for their uh, daily uh, routes. Yes, that was Maitha Al-Nuaymi, the Geographic Information Network Section Manager at Dubai Municipality, talking about uh, mapping out the road. And it's got to be done because if we're going to go autonomous, the cars need to read the information before they can head out on the road. Text message through, um, anonymous, might be a dealer, I'm not sure. It said, it is a similar situation in the Middle East. The automotive dealers in the Middle East during during 2020 and 2021 have been the most profitable versus the last 10 years. But uh, as you mentioned, Noel, running out of stock. Absolutely. So it's cashing in now and not thinking about too much further down the track, perhaps yep. making hay while the sun shines, as they say. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, now, we've been driving cars this week. Uh, I've been driving. I've had a whole lot of fun driving the Ford Raptor, the new one. It's um, it, it, it's about it's, it's 387,000 dirhams, I think, they're about. Uh, absolutely outrageous fun. Um, Shane, you own one, uh, the first generation, so you understand where I'm coming from. It's it's intimidating. It's fun. It's just a whole lot. Um I've been a fan of the Raptor since the very first one. This latest version doesn't disappoint. Um, the only thing I wish was it, it was because now you can only get it as the four door. I wish it was the smaller version, just simply to get in I've the parking spots. I've got the uh, two and a half door, basically super cab as they call it, and that's that the is one. the perfect size because it's the sports Raptor, if you can be believed. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's the problem. I've driven Gen two Raptors. I've loved all of them, but the big ones are big. And I drove a TRX recently. It's even bigger. Yeah, and they are a little bit of a struggle. Even in the desert, you think, okay, fine, that's great. In the desert, they got room, right? But when you have a big off-road truck flying over dunes, you need to be very careful and on your game. Absolutely. And it's a three and a half litre EcoBoost twin turbo V6. It's the same horsepower as the standard EcoBoost. So 450 horsepower, 681 newton metres, nor 105.3 seconds. Um, massive 37-inch rim uh, tyres on the 17-inch rims. Um, it's as cl- I, I, I look at it as being as close to a Baja car that you can buy in the showroom that, that that's available. Um, now, one of the things that, that goes against it, if you're looking at this style of vehicle, is this: it's built as an as a off-road sports car rather than being um, a carry-all vehicle, so, mm. so a, a, a tradesman's vehicle. So the regular F-150, it has, I mean, the, all, they all have the live axle suspension, um, but the normal F-150 has, has the leaf spring. The Raptor has... Um, uh, Coils, coil, coil springs. So it's using the, the using the Fox Racing uh, shock absorbers. They have adaptive electronic valving and recoil springs instead of the leaf, which is great for the performance stuff in the sand. But 
what it does though is uh, your towing your towing capacity and your load carrying capacity. So to give you an example, the regular uh, the regular F one fifty has a towing capacity of as much. Not all of them do it, but of, of as much as 6,350 kilos, mm. huge amount. Um, and it has a payload of 1,510 kilos, uh, which is around about 450 more than the than the next nearest, which mm. is the Silverado. Um, but you compare that to the Raptor, and we're talking uh, 640 kilo payload against 1,510 and 3,700 kilos as opposed to 63. I so think you've got to put if, that into perspective, right? Because we're not in America where people are using these as workaday commercial vehicles. Mm, Out no, here, but, it's purely toys, putting but, bikes and stuff like that. But that's the point I'm making, is if you're looking to buy a Raptor, don't buy it if you're thinking, of I can use this as a commercial vehicle to, to, yeah. to tow a oh, horse no, no, flight no, my well. Raptor, if you put any load in the back, it'll squat at the back. And the reason for that is because those softs and, uh, shocks and springs are so soft. They have yeah. to be to do that kind of off-road work. Um, they're not commercial vehicles. What's funny is that my Raptor's payload and towing capacity is almost identical to my 1996 Land Cruiser, which only has four and a half <laughs> liters versus 6.2. But that's just an idea of how things haven't changed. Yeah, I tell. You, I mean, for, for for my usage, yeah, I'm not I'm not towing stuff around. I just thought it was just amazing fun to. And again, I, I look at it as like where we live right now. We live in the desert. It's a sports car. It's a sports it's car. The for best the fourth car you can have. Absolutely, and I just love. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it, except for when it comes to uh, filling up at the gas tank right at the petrol station yeah. right now. That's the only issue. Oh, you try the V8 one then? <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Um, but I don't think anyone's of, enjoying that. No, yeah, yeah. no, it's expensive. But speaking of petrol-powered cars, the Shan, you've got a bit of a sad story with a nice car. Well, yes, the BMW M division chief, for those of you who don't know, they're the ones who make the high-performance, tasty machinery, have said that the M2 is going to be the last petrol-powered M vehicle. And after this, they're going electric or definitely hybrid future, but I would almost certainly guess electric. And that's really sad, isn't it? Because you've had so many great M cars over the years, M3, would, M5, M, could, M all I'd, of them. If I could, I'd have a minute's silence, but this is radio, so we can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's sad. We look at the M1. Glorious car. Then, obviously, the ones that come, the M5s, the mm. M3s, and now it's, uh, to me, M stands for marketing. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> yeah. of it's kind of what happened. I mean, years ago, I, I was sitting for dinner with a BMW board member, and he said that not all of our cars need to have 100% of the BMW brand values all the time. And in some ways, that makes sense. So you can basically translate that to meaning you take an M badge, you put it on everything, it becomes an M-ish kind of car, just like how have MGMG design yeah. trim and Lexus does similar things with their cars. And that's fine for adding a bit of chocolate sprinkle on your cars, but it confuses customers because they don't get experience what a real M car should so, be. So tell me about the M2 that you've got at the moment. Oh, well, I haven't driven the M2, but I have to tell you what, oh, the okay. M2 is brilliant. Yeah. I've driven all of them. They're great. I really want to drive the CS. It's probably the best M2 ever I've heard from people. And these cars are just so legendary. It's sad to see that you won't make them anymore. You won't get manual gearboxes. You won't get those howling straight sixes. Even with turbos, they managed to make an M car feel special. How yeah. do you have electric cars? I don't know. No, for, for me, the personally, the best BMW cars have made is the, I agree with you, the M2 and before that, the 1M. That is a Legend. stunning little car. Two miles or two kilometers or 500 meters in a 1M and you will rediscover the joy of driving. You absolutely <laughs> will. How will you do that electric car? I think they'll find ways around it with technology and gadgets and gizmos, but yeah. it's a bit like buying a new laptop. Yeah. Mm. Um, no, you've, yeah. You've, uh, you've got some, talking about sports cars and performance vehicles, mm -hmm. um, a, a controversial car that potentially saved the company and looks like that might be the case. Absolutely, yeah. So Lambo have sold, would you get this number, 20,000 Uruses. 
in four years. Okay. And that's doubled their capacity from what they used to produce. Which so, is yeah. exactly what they predicted, and it's done that. Yes. They've doubled the size. I remember when they launched the Urus, they doubled the size of the factory. And I'm going, really? And they're going, yep, this is what we want. Yep. And everyone said, who on earth wants a SUV Everybody. Lamborghini? <laughs> Everybody said the same thing. And Lambo were right. And yep. everyone else was and wrong. And Ferrari will be the same when they, they do their absolutely. car. Absolutely. And everyone's howling about all these companies um, you know, doing this. But Porsche did it with the Cayenne. And uh, Absolutely. you know, and it worked. It's a needs must. Yeah. It, it's kept Absolutely. the company alive, hmm. and it, it'll be the same with Ferrari. And the Urus is really good. Yeah. I mean, I hate yeah. to say it, but I drove the Urus, and it is absolutely explosive on road. It just has all that drama and theatre of a proper Lamborghini. Hmm. Does it have that drama when you're not going flat out? Maybe not so much, but when you're going hard, it does feel like a Lamborghini. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and it'll be the same with Ferrari. It'll be it'll be the saviour of Ferrari when they bring that SUV. But do they need out? saving though? One of those profitable companies oh, no. in motoring. <laughs> Uh, it's saving. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it will be. Um, but yeah, interesting. So yeah, yeah, fantastic stuff. Now, Shan, uh, talking about prices and various things, you've got information on the newest electric car vehicle that's uh, that's arriving in the Middle East, Polestar, because they've now uh, just announced their first dedicated retail outlet in the UAE. And uh, it's all very cutting edge. It's, uh, it, as they call it, the store of the future. You've got prices on the uh, on the, the new Polestar. Well, the Polestar 2 is coming to the UAE very, very quickly. And that is, of course, being launched by Alpha Team Motors as part of their lineup. Uh, they've got their first retail outlet. It's extremely cutting edge brand. It's basically, if you've seen a Polestar 2, it looks like a sort of electric Volvo. And that doesn't surprise anybody because they're owned by Geely, who also owns Volvo. And it's very close related to the Volvo XC40 Recharge. Um, mm. Which I drive. There really are obviously impressive. single and double motor versions. Uh, you're talking about 540 kilometers for the longest range on the uh, long range single motor. There's, of course, a performance double motor, blah, 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 which is sort of like a Tesla Model 3 analog. Prices are very aggressive for the single motor. Starts at 160,000 dirhams. Wow. That is going to get people interested Absolutely. because that's one of the issues with electric vehicles. They're so expensive. 100%. Yeah. And 160000 it's a good-looking car. Um, it's got a lot of rave reviews in Europe. It, it first went on sale – the first one went on sale in 2019, but it's only arrived here back in February, I think, um, and now that the store is open. Uh, and as you say, it was, it was originally based on the Volvo. So it's a good-looking car. Um, They've got Polestar 3, 4, 5. Polestar 3 is a really good-looking car if you look at the concept version. So these cars are going to be very interesting. I think they're going to dot the roads of the UAE very quickly because considering what prices are like in fuel, we all know about it, this could be the car of the future in Dubai. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I think I think so. I think they've done a, an amazing job with that one. And uh, at 161,000 dirhams, I think it might be a few of the, uh, the established payers might be a, a, little, very, a little bit nervous. That's a very aggressive price That's going to be the price yeah. point. And you're talking yeah. about cars that are basically cars, by the way. Not SUVs, not off-road cars. Yes. But a lot of people need a car to get to work that's not killing them on gas prices. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. They don't need performance. They just need a solid car. Electric vehicle time on Motor Mania. And the UAE probably wouldn't have, I'd be fair to say, wouldn't have an electric car industry if it wasn't for the man in the studio that is with us now. He's the founder and managing director of Vault.ae. It's a startup that's dedicated to accelerating clean technology in the Middle East by developing infrastructure for electric vehicles. Uh, he was the principal advisor to Tesla on their entry into the UAE market and continues to play a leadership role in growing the electric vehicle community. He is the president of the Electric Vehicle Owners Association here in the UAE and also served for six years as a Dubai police officer. So very nice to have you in the studio, Farez Al-Mazuri. Uh, good morning. Good morning to you. Thank, thank you for hosting thank, us. 
Thanks for joining us this morning. It's uh, it's a, it's a, a topic that just comes back every week. We talk about electric vehicles here, um, so it's it's a it's a pleasure to have you with us in the studio. We've Thank seen a, a sharp rise in the in the number of electric vehicles on the roads in the in the UAE in the last two years. Um, do you have an idea of roughly how many are on 16, the sixteen thousand? Sixteen thousand in Dubai. There you go. Wow, wow. And now, just in Dubai. Yes, in Dubai. Wow. That is uh, is remarkable because it's uh, as I say it's just mm. come on so quickly in the last few years. Just um, to give you perspective, mm. BMW, mm. Mercedes Benz, and Audi mm. combined didn't match Tesla Model Three sales in the last three years. Wow! Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. That's really surprising, isn't it? You, I yeah. mean, you do see a lot, but no, yeah, for, but for sure. Yeah, sixteen thousand. If I'm going to put yeah. the ownership percentage, mm-hmm. Emirati's above sixty percent. Really? Yeah. 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 In fact, the very first Tesla I saw on the street was was owned by an Emirati friend of mine who, who brought them in before they started Mm -hmm. coming in officially. Mm. He was just so keen to get one, and then got another. It was a one hundred, and then got another one because with the 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 upgrade, Mm -hmm. and uh, loved it. And he's a performance car guy, and he's he's kept those at his place in Abu Dhabi. I think he still has them. Um, So yeah, I don't doubt you on that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, we're early adopters. We know each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course we know the guy. Um, now, Dubai and the UAE has been proactive in, in tackling environmental issues in recent years, and in particular, finding ways to improve the air quality in in the region. Um, what sort of real world impact can going electric uh, have when it comes to it's, transportation and improving the air that we breathe? I have to be honest. It's human behavior. Yeah, it goes down to that. I mean. Um, Transportation is just a vehicle that you use, and you don't feel the, you know, the the, the pollution impact mm. on it. If you go down to, you know, percentage-wise, it may not exceed fifty percent of the pollution. Yeah. What you see, mm. uh, pollution comes from you know ACs running all the time, you know, the factories in Jabal Ali, or you know, the power stations, airplanes, ships, all combined together. Though, <clears throat> the vehicle is the closest one. To, to to behavior to change someone's someone's behavior it's the one you touch I guess, yeah, exactly yeah. And, and and that's the impact that you look at mm. um, if, if somebody switched to an electric vehicle you will you will literally find out within a month or two he's looking at his electric bill yeah mm. uh, and then checking out his lights what sort of yeah. impact does it have on electric bill? Obviously, with so much data now. Well, it depends. Is it a Marathi or an expat? Let's <laughs> 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 assume all the use cases. <laughs> well, um, you're looking at about, I will say, no more than 40 to 50 dirhams a month. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, um, I, I would pay that not to queue up at a petrol station where the, the way the petrol queues are right now. I think they lose that queuing yeah. in the petrol station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But also, when you talk about air quality, um, at, with, with, with other with other contributors as well, yeah. um, static engines, the things that are powering cranes, and and uh, because we got obviously, you know, there's still an enormous amount of construction. Dubai is a growing, living, breathing city. With these things now, I'm hearing also too that that uh, that, that uh, hydrogen is now coming into play in terms of static uh, generators. Is is that something that potentially would would, would I, work? I don't see that coming anytime soon. Mm. Uh, with hydrogen, you need a distribution. Yeah. And that is not there. It doesn't exist yet. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I've heard about it for the last five years. I haven't seen it. <laughs> and um, the, the, what, what I admire is Hyperpower, which is Kafu. Yeah. And Saraj Investments. Hmm. 
over Creek. They joined, they did the JV just recently. Okay. And um, they are, uh, they just purchased a lot of batteries and they're going to, you know, um, offer power instead of a generator. Fantastic. And so I, they'll I, come out I, yeah. and charge your car for you? No, or? no, that's that's not the case. No? I'm okay. talking about ge- diesel generator construction sites and, yeah. ah, and okay. stuff like that. Interesting. That, uh, that, that, would, that would make a big difference, surely, the amount of construction that we have going on. Uh, of course. Uh, Dubai, y- you've seen, you guys have been here probably a lot. Many, many, know, many years. Many, many years. <laughs> yeah, very And, um, you know, um, how, how long, may I ask? Like, how long have you guys been here? 25 for me. 25? Uh, 17. 17? 41. 41. <laughs> are, you, are you actually 41? Uh, 42 this year. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Doesn't look like it, but yeah. And, well, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm born just right there. Right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. call it the Republic of Jumeirah, so yeah. <laughs> that's my Republic of... You had a short commute to the station then. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, what, what's needed, the, here is what I like about the government. They don't interfere. Mm. Mm. And they don't help. Mm. So, you know, you're out there, you want to do it, go ahead. We're not going to help you because if we did, we need to help the opposite. Yeah. Which yeah. is fair enough. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they want to have an impact on the environment. Yeah. So they try to, if they want to set their policies, they're really like trying to set the right policies. But they're taking their precaution. Yeah. At the same time, not to affect the market. Mm. Well, s- speaking of that, in terms of the government being proactive, you are very proactive in your role in securing a, a large order of, of Teslas for the Dubai government. I remember this is a couple of years ago. It's two, 200. Two, 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 2017, um, yes. Um, There's 200 well, vehicles, yes. wasn't it? Yes. Well, what, what happened is um, Tesla's coming in the market. Mm. And if, if, if something Dubai does, will give you a reason to come for the market and accelerate that. Yeah. And this is exactly what they set themselves. Yeah, I'm not uh, an official guy or a government employee to say this, but to observe that from, from the, you know, from the other side, I've 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 not lobbied, but I've said this is a great um, um, opportunity to change, mm. and and they, they 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 actually look at it and they look at the financial aspect of it. They had to learn what they're coming with, yeah, and, and, and what will Tesla impact the market here, and they said you know since they're gonna come in, let's at least be their customer yeah. in the taxi business and see how that works yeah. for us. Don't look at it as a commercial aspect only and an environment impact only. Is there but they're looking at it as a, as a, as a vision mm. yeah. and always visions that create economy. Yeah. Is there a, is there a, because that was how many years ago? That was what, three years ago now? It was two, 2017. 2017. So, it's February. Yeah, so with those vehicles coming up for, for renewal, uh, is there is there another car manufacturer in the region that could replace two hundred electric vehicles now? Yeah, I yeah. mean Dubai is not like brand loyal to something. No, it's it's all would, about would, commercial. Would there be the volume from from say it a BMW and Audi or it's who? It's all about the money. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it all goes down down to the dollar. I mean, if if it is um, profitable, yes, they yeah. won't say anything. You know, they, they they look at it as a profitable the environment impact. They look at it in many way. That they like, yeah. but in the end, it goes down to uh, budgeting mm. and, and, and finance. It definitely worked for Tesla. I mean, it, you saw you suddenly saw oh, them everywhere, sure. didn't you? I mean, mm. I mean, even though okay, they're being used for the probably the most basic form of getting around, like you know, taxi mm. use and things like that. It's um, it certainly 
made you see Teslas, and that's what drives mm. the market forward. You know. So. Yeah, well, one of the th I went to a conference with uh, I think it was Ford many years ago in, in San Francisco, talking about future technology, and the, one of the things they were talking about back then was the last mile concept of parking on the outside of the city and getting an e-bike or an e-scooter into the last bit. Now, you've been involved, obviously, with, with, with One Moto yeah. as, as your business. Um, Investor it, more than... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, do, do you see, is Dubai like a model city where you could actually, this actually works? You well, park let's and, be very honest here. Yeah. You want to walk to, to your home? <laughs> I'll, I'll take a scooter. You yeah. take a scooter right Absolutely. now? Yeah. The 42 degrees outside. Oh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe later. There you go. That's your answer. <laughs> okay. So let's be frankly very clear. It's hot. Yeah. And it's sunny. Yeah. And it's dusty. It's very difficult. Hmm. Unless you have tunnels underground. Yeah, yeah. To zoom around. Then yes, you'll see a big impact. If there's tunnels underground that connects you to, you know, with scooters and bicycles and, you know, that fresh air comes in, filtered, whatever it is. Yeah. I, I don't see that not coming. Absolutely. If, 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 if the rate of the environment and the pollution goes up like that, people will go under the ground. Hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, we're, like, we're in Media City right now. It's a satellite city. It's 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 a city that's, like like a few other, you know, free zone areas in, in Dubai, it's um it's like a university campus in, in, in effect. So if you want to go from, from the ARN studios to somewhere else, you've got guided cycle paths that are there you're not going out on the public road as 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 such so y you would think that this might be more this this would be a good case study for going down that path no 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 <laughs> I, I disagree okay well you've been coming to this studio for a long time yeah yeah many yeah? years yeah look at the scooter the scooter industry came in what two years now when it started yeah about yeah. about, about a month ago just before yeah. the, the yeah. pandemic i'll say mm -hmm. yeah well, look at them now. Is mm. is the numbers in the summer increasing or decreasing? You see them more in the winter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And then you see the buses filled up in the summer. Yeah. And that's the point. And then he will have it in the bus. I don't know if it's allowed or not now. If you take On your the bus, scooter. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's a good mm. question. I mm. need to uh, actually check that out. Yeah. Can I ask a little bit about what it was like to change mindsets in the beginning when people were still unsure about electric cars? What was it like back then getting people to understand why electric cars and why they should buy into this concept? Did well, you push the talk about the environment yeah, side I, or the economy or the performance? What was it? I tried, but I wait, I wait, I waited so long for them to die to get a replacement. Um, some agreed, some disagreed. Mm. I will say in our fence, in our zone, definitely they agreed. Mm. And whatever uh, that side of the aisle, mm -hmm. they yeah. disagreed. So were people very enthusiastic because I know there's a lot of people, as you said, who are buying into Teslas. But were there people who were like, "No, I'll never get one. I'll never give up my vehicle." Oh, you have, you have, you have those petrol, he the yeah. petrol yeah. heads. Yeah. So uh, you know, thinking of buying petrol ahead of time and we'll never drive an electric car. Ever. So you say it's it's a mindset thing. So if you take that away for for a moment, and you think, we go back to the issue of air quality, and we we do need to bring electrification into it. What what about sort of you know we've got an awful lot of uh, courier motorcycles, food delivery bikes, ga uh, garbage trucks, school buses. These are all back to base vehicles that sit in a compound for, for large amounts of the day. They do the exact same path, pretty well in terms of the, the trucks and buses, um, and then they go back. What about, I mean, is there talk about going down the electrification path yes. for these vehicles first, which would I think would probably knock out a lot of the, uh, let's, the, let's look at the, the emissions? Let, let's, I'll give you a simple example. If you have um, um, a Corvette V8, 
mm. and you drove it for 30 miles. Yeah, and you have a horse that you rode yeah. or ride for 30 miles. The horse has more carbon yeah, produced yeah. Than, than the V8. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. But the horse has carbon that he produced out of his breath mm. that would be sucked by the tree naturally. Yes. But the Corvette is carbon that's been taken out of the ground into the air, which is a new carbon, basically, added. And that's that's where we want to stop mm. and reduce that. Now, that's one one example. But with the motorcycles deliveries, okay, let's look at the fuel prices today. The driver takes out, what, 700 dirham out of his pocket? Yeah. Creates frustration within. Yeah. yeah. Make him aggressive on the road to deliver more and make more. Yeah. And, and you know, the cycle goes on and on if you go that path. Yeah. Okay, by electrifying, you're not only reducing the NOx carbon, which is the bad one, which is motorcycle, by the way, has X amount of folds over mm. each CC compared to a vehicle where it has the catalyst uh, uh, than, than the catalyst of a motorcycle. Um, but you will also put money back in his in his pocket. Yeah. yeah. Which will make him relax a bit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yes, joined in the studio with uh, Frez Al-Murazuri, who is the uh, founder of uh, Vault.ie, and we're talking all things uh, electric vehicles this morning. We've had a, a, a text in for, um, uh, for you, Imtashan, that we were just talking about. Uh, hello, can you please mention the name of the car you were just talking about that starts at 160K and, uh, and the, the one that's like Volvo? That it's like Volvo is owned by Volvo. It is the Polestar 2. Which Polestar is, 2. Just remember that, Polestar 2. Polestar 1 didn't actually come to this market. It was basically a hybrid electric version. It's stunningly beautiful. I don't think it actually came. They only made like 1,500 units worldwide. It was kind of a proof of concept to show that they could make a car, Polestar, and unbelievably successful in terms of what it achieved. But mm. I don't think it's anywhere by a common, something that you'll actually buy oh, and use a lot. I was yeah. going to ask you, is, is there a 1? Must be. There is a two. It has to be. Yes. yes. Surely. Yes. Um, Everybody bought one, and they're all keeping it locked away in the garage because it's a stunning thing. But yeah, it's not a car people are going to be using every day. The Polestar Two is kind of the Beetle of electric cars. Yeah, cool. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Or should be go. anyway. There you go. Um, but in this region, uh, going back to to Fres, uh, now your involvement with with Tesla. How did that come about? Because that seems to be the car that sort of ignited, to use the pun, people's interest in, in electric <laughs> vehicles. <laughs> Well, it started in 2008 when I placed an order of the Roadster. And it was uh, one out of 100 uh, vehicles that was produced back in 2008. Um, the story goes back to 2007, to be honest. And then the car vehicle came in early 2008. The, um, due to that own, owning that vehicle brought me closer to the management in, in, in Tesla. And back then, Tesla is way smaller than today. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the guy who took care of my situations when I have a, you know the battery you know issues and stuff like that, a guy named Dermi Dokana, mm-hmm. he was the VP of business development, and and you know sitting at the board with Elon Musk and everybody, um, it was the Dubai guy. Because yeah. the only vehicle they have outside the States back then was the Dubai guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that, that's how I, they get to know me. <laughs> well, you, you, that must be the only roads to here. Is that right? No. Oh, there is. No, really? there was another one ah. in Abu Dhabi. Okay. Um, I, I can't remember the owner's name. This is the very first Tesla that was Elon Musk used the Lotus mm-hmm. as the basis to that's create. Sweet. And that's yeah. the one that we're famously and seen it, in space. Frankly, right in the registration card <laughs> till today, 
it says Lotus. Really? <laughs> yes, because you couldn't afford it here. The, 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 the customs didn't have Tesla registered. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we kind of said, we need, it's, it, look, it's a Lotus. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you actually have the first electric Lotus, don't you? Well, well yes, technically, basically. yeah, that's Ooh, true. Yeah. <laughs> just to, yeah. But they, they, kept, they kept coming in to fly yeah. and check and take the data out, which, which, which kept me closer with the technical team. Hmm who goes down to the factory drawing board and I get to know and I got more interested, you know, in so their conversation. So they were using you as a test bed? Well, yeah. maybe, yeah, some yeah. some sort of uh, hmm. that. Yeah. I was happy to give them to get to know them better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then in 2015, I got an email from Denwood himself saying that uh, Tesla would like to come to the region and what can we do? And mm. we would like to have a direct sales, no agent, mm. basically, yeah. no, no Emirati agent. Mm. I was jumping on my seat when I saw that email. I was like, yeah, it's time. Yeah. Mm. So um, um, I, I met uh, uh, Sheikh Maktoub bin Mohammed, mm. uh, who's the current deputy ruler of Dubai. And I was like, your highness, uh, Tesla would like to come in. And he goes, if they, you know, they meet the, the requirement, you know, of course. So, mm. so through him, he... He kind of accelerated. Was it uh, actually? I, I'm really fascinated to ask you this question. Was it then difficult to, or was it easy, to uh, to bring in Tesla's model of selling directly and not through one of the established Apple, Apple paved families? The way. Yeah, Apple paved the way. Cartier, I think, I think Burberry yeah. followed with them, and then and then so the, the, the yeah, model okay, okay. existed, yes. yeah, mm. but it needed an approval. Yeah, with it. So I, I couldn't go and say, Tesla's a brand. So in the end, they're going to come and they will get the normal process. But the, because of the time time mm. constraint yep. at that given moment, I had to go. And when and so his highness, Sheikh Maktoum, when I had the opportunity, I kind of, you know, you know just mm. told him, this is what's going on. You know, I need, you know, some direction. And, and he gave me the best direction I can get. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, uh, again, ahead of their time, because the, the, a lot of the, the, the car industry now is, as we're moving towards electrification, are talking about selling directly. And this is not just in this region, it's globally. Mercedes mentioned it the other day. Um, and and there's, there's other car brands that are, that are doing similar. So, and, you know, that's uh, something that, that Tesla really kicked off mm. by going direct to, uh, to the runners. Now, I'd like to ask you, um, going back to, because you just, uh, everything to do with electric vehicles, um, with with your with your role with with um, when we talk about charging cars here, now the home charges are great for villas, and they're great for standalone properties. But how um, how is Dubai going around about charging for say residential high rise towers, and and for people who live in in those towers because it's, it's a growing pain. Mm. Um, you see, with each building you have a, a load cap- capacity. Also. Yeah, and some owners of, or I will say landlords or owner associations, when it comes down to that, they will say, do I use that capacity for a billboard on top of my building where it's commercially viable for us? Yeah. Or should I use it for a charging infrastructure? I think till now it's a gray area. There is no, no law that comes in and says mm. you have to have that much chargers available on existing buildings. I'm not mm. talking about new. Yeah. I think new there is there is a, a policy for new buildings permits. But for existing retrofitting, mm. going to the DUA application route is expensive. Yeah. Mm. And a lot of uh, apartment uh, owners will not pay. Mm. Mm. Two hundred thousand to pull a cable a, or something. It's a who blinks first yeah. game, isn't it? Because no one, a landlord's not going to want to pay 
to electrify his building yeah. if he's only got one tenant that has an electric car. When he's got half his tenants have got electric cars, then he has to. Yeah. Um, and so it, there's a tipping point, I guess, isn't there? Where yeah, but, but it, yeah, that doesn't apply in Dubai. In. It's worldwide. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that smart systems exist where it balances the loads within the yep. building. Yep. You can always, uh, you know, get certain or batteries. Mm. Yeah. Batteries is your other solution. I think can we approach it from a different angle because people always worry about what will people in high rise towers and I live in one so I know what it's like. But the thing is nobody looks at cars the same way. Nobody looks at Lamborghinis like oh it needs to have a thousand kilometers of range. They just think well I've got a lot of petrol if I do if I'm enjoying it then I just go to the station I fill up in five minutes. So I think people often look at electric cars maybe the wrong way. It's not that they need to have a massive range or home charging. The rate of charge is the issue. So it's not able to go to a station and fill up their car electricity in the same five or ten minutes as a regular petrol car. Isn't that the solution? And in that case, will there be charges from Diva that are much faster in the future? Is that something that's being worked on? I believe Diva will have faster chargers. They have to. You've got like, like, you've problem, got like uh, yeah. Ionity so, in, in Europe, those sort of fast charging. They, 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 yeah. they are. They exist. I mean, if you, I mean, I have a, a Taycan and I can go to the showroom now on Sheikh Zayed Road. I can have a 180 kilowatt charger. Yeah. Plugged in there. So how long does that take versus a filling at home, for example? I mean, at home, it's 11 kilowatt. Do yeah. I need this? So in terms of time, what does that break down to? It doesn't matter. I'm sleeping. Oh, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we are charging at home. You've got, or in the office. Yeah. You know, we're all sitting here now. We've, I've, we've been on air for nearly two hours. That's going to get me home and get me around until I, you know, until I can plug it in tonight, perhaps. Mm. Um, you've just answered a question from from a, from a listener, Rob, who's asked uh, Fredo's, "What car do you drive?" So you've, okay. you've got a take on, yeah? I, I do actually. I've, I've been a lot of Teslas went through, yeah. But um, I wanted to change, so when the take on came out, I uh, is it a take on turbo? It's a turbo S. I've, where is the turbo? It's a turbo S. But where is the turbo <laughs> in your turbocharged car? <laughs> it's the name is one of those things it, that always it's like, a surprises. Good question. You need to ask. Porsche for that? <laughs> I will. <laughs> but I, I've got to say, that is the, from, from my own experience of what I've driven in terms of electric vehicles, this stand out by a long way, the best electric vehicle I've driven, Taycan. I, um, I, I have to say this. Tesla is brains. Yeah. Yeah. And it's growing muscles now. Yeah. Um, haven't, Porsche, driven, haven't driven Tesla yet, so there's my Porsche caveat. Porsche is pure muscle. Yeah. It doesn't have the brains. Put it this way. It doesn't have the smart features of Tesla and all that stuff. Uh, I live in Motor City. I have a house there. Yep. And I don't know if you guys, you're in Motor City. You know the bank yeah. that you could come in? Yep. I no. was doing one. I won't do that. I was doing one. kilometer an hour. Okay. This is at the order tram, correct? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, order, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and a bicycle came out. Hmm. Hmm. And if I had a Tesla at that given moment, I probably could have had a crash. Hmm. Yeah. But because it's a Porsche. I swear to God, it was mm. like a glue on the road and it went. Such good that, reflexes, right? Yeah. The yes, car I mean, can I stop. It was you know. very precise. When you move, it moves. Yeah, I recently um, had the Cross Turismo, which is the, oh, it's an awesome the five-door. And honestly, and I... Is and it I, the green I, one? Uh, blue, it was a blue. Oh, so, I saw that. Yeah, and I... Put, I, read it, I published a, a piece about it saying if I owned an EV, that would be the car I'd own. I just, it ticks so many boxes. It it's practical. You could take it to, it's not an off-road vehicle, but it has the raised suspension, so you could take it to, say, our Kudra Lakes or speed humps and no problem, mm -hmm. and it's dynamite it's, quick. It's amazing. It's an amazing <laughs> car. I'm looking forward to electric off-roaders, actually. I mean, it solves a it's lot coming. of problems. It's coming. There's yeah. a Hummer here. Yeah, the Hummer. The Hummer here, is the here. Rivian. It's, it's, um, it's, it's been here for a year and a half, you guys yeah. don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Somebody yeah. bought it for like $4 million. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, look, thank you so much for for, for coming in for us. We've 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 run out of time. I can't believe it. We we could carry on like this for for a long time. Um, thank you for having. Me. But thank thank you so much for us. Uh, it's been a real pleasure having you in here, and uh, thank you, Noel Shan. Thanks very much. No problem. Fix it or flip it. Yes, yeah, so tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it's worth. It's uh, How does it work? It's so easy. We need as much details as we can from you the, of, and about your car. We need the make, we need the model, the year, the colour, the mileage, any history, any famous owners, any uh, incidents or funny stories. Let us let us know. It all adds to the value of your car. And uh, you can send them to 4001 via the ARN Play app. Uh, but, of course, I am doing it with the uh, assistant, uh, assistance of valuation guru, Matthew Davison, who is the head of Algo Driven. Uh, good morning, Matthew. Good morning. How are you? Uh, good. Very good. Very good. I was just chasing the phone lines around to find where you where you were on the on the board. Um, well, it's been uh, another Saturday morning, Matthew. We're, we're about to uh, to do all this again. How have you been? We're uh, we're 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 going to have a, a guy in later on talking about electric vehicles. Now I know, um, and this is uh, Fares Al Mazuri. He's the founding and managing director of Volt. And uh, they develop an EV infrastructure. So uh, um, I'm sure you'll be, as a Tesla owner, you'll be interested to uh, to hear about uh, what he might have to say. I, I think, you know, I always listen to the second half of the show anyway, but I think I'm clearing my diary for the second half of today's show because I think this is going to be a fantastic interview. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this, this is a guy who's got so much uh, uh, history about uh, EVs in the region. He's, he's worked with Tesla going right back um, in, in helping them get set up here. Um, and he's, he's, got his, uh, he's got his head around a whole lot of big issues. So, uh, yeah, it will be very interesting to, uh, to have, a, have a chat with him about that. Um, now, you've, speaking of Teslas, you've discovered one pretty big advantage when it comes to uh, owning an EV with your Tesla. Um, I mean, unfortunately, because it's been hit, but uh, but you've got a bit of proof. Yeah, I, I mean, reason 27 for owning a Tesla. Um, so this week I was parked just in public parking in JLT, and um, my car was hit stationary. Somebody had reversed into it and, and actually, unfortunately, driven off. Um, I didn't realize I had the damage because I entered the car from the front until I got to the Mall of the Emirates and actually plugged my car in for charging. And I saw the damage. So I went into what's called sentry mode because the, the Tesla will always be recording not only when you're uh, driving, but when you're parked. If it detects any movement around the car, it actually stores that video. So I went back through the clips because I'd been to several locations that day. And, and there it was, as plain as day. Uh, a guy had, had reversed in, hit the car, realized, and, and then uh, got out of there quickly. So um, I analyzed the footage, put it on to, to my uh, computer, took it to the police. They were amazing, of course. They called the guy immediately, told him to come to the station, showed him the footage, um, fined him for, for causing an accident. And then we did the normal um, app, you know, when you, you add the details of the accident to the app so I can actually claim on my insurance. But, you know, um, it was fortunate for me that my car obviously has that, that technology, but it got me thinking how many people out there actually come back to find damage on their car and haven't got a clue, A, where it happened or when, because it's when you notice it that actually matters. But more importantly, there's no, there's very little recourse. I mean, you know, it's not really enough of a, of a crime to be trawling through buildings, CCTV, etc. I'm sure police and security have got better things to do than that. But it did get me thinking that, you know, does this happen often? And, and 
and and you know what can you do about it essentially yes yeah, so so with your tesla so it's got a it monitors the car 360 degrees and, and, and is that 24 7 that the, the camera is running is that correct so you you have when you're driving out on the highway it's recording all the time 360 all around you mm. that's just recording permanently but when you park you have the option to turn on what's called sentry mode uh, now sentry it basically records 360, but when it detects movement around the car. So it doesn't record unless it feels that something is getting near the car. I normally switch it on only when I'm in public um, parking. I don't have it in my uh, my basement at home, and I don't uh, have it at work either. But, um, yeah, it records. And the, the great thing is you see things happening from all the different angles. So with this with this collision that happened to my car, I could see the guy coming in from the rear, but also from the right-hand side of the car, which is how, how I actually clearly captured his number plate because it was from the, the right side. I got a better shot of it. But, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see this coming to more and more cars mm. um, in the future, not just electric, of course, but it, it's such a useful feature. It really is. And, and one addition to this that I should, should make, since I've owned the car now, which is, you know, what we're getting in for four months now since I, I got the Tesla, one thing I love about the fact it records is you feel more confident on the road. You kind of know that if anybody does something silly and hits you, you've got proof. And that was always something in the past that, that concerned me, that I felt that, you know, would I be arguing a kind of someone's word against my word, where with the car always recording, I kind of feel like I've got somebody watching my back. Yeah, so, I mean, it makes it a pretty clear case then if, if, if it's recording and it's got the registration of the car. Uh, so I guess that made it a pretty easy job for you then when you headed down to the police station. Yeah, and they were brilliant. It wasn't the first time they've seen uh, Tesla footage, of course, there's enough of those cars now, but um, they, they reviewed it and it took a nanosecond for them to pick up the phone and because and, and, obviously they can check the plate and find the owner's phone number, but... Yeah, I mean, they were good and it was resolved very quickly. And I was chatting to Zena and I said, look, you know, at the end of the day, it's a shame because it's a new car, but there's more important things in life than the material things. So I'll get it fixed and I'll move on. But, you know, the takeaway was that, you know, having that evidence is just is just beautiful. It was it made things so easy. Yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating news. And uh, let us know if you've had any issues with your, your car being damaged or if you've had a similar issue with the Tesla or Texas 4001 or via the ARN Play app. We'd love to hear if anyone else has got um, uh, Teslas or they've, or they've managed to find people via camera. Uh, that would be really interesting to know. Um, so we've got a text message that's coming straight away and it's, uh, it's from Keith. Um, he says, great show, guys. And uh, he has an, an Aston Martin V8 Vantage. It's an N430 model. Um, it was uh, a 400-unit limited run. Now, I remember this car. This car was built to celebrate the Nürburgring 24-hour back in – I was actually at that race, 2014. Um, beautiful car. So he's, it's red and it's white and red. I think they came in the one color only from memory. It's got the carbon fiber package. And uh, it's uh, it's got twenty three thousand kilometres. Um, what do you? Th- oh, and he's he's also mentioned he's got warranty through to twenty twenty three. So, what would you think about that one? Well, the, the warranty, as we always say on the show, I mean that's that's always should be your headline and something that that you should speak to immediately when somebody calls because that's that's peace of mind immediately for a buyer. They don't have to think. I mean, this car, yeah, super rare. And pricing it will be reflective of that. I'd probably put the, this out on the market, particularly with those kilometers, early 400s, something like 425, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it, it's 
it's I say this all the time. It's one of those cars that you can have a, a bit of a play with. You can put it much higher um, for at least a week, 10 days and see how people react to that price and then move from there because it is something a bit special. And it's and, and normally these cars take a while to sell. The likelihood that somebody's you know, sitting by the phone waiting for this is, is rare. So, it, you know, you may be advertising this car for six, even eight weeks. Yeah, because there is a bit of a difference between the V8 Vantage and the N430. And you've got to be a bit of a an Aston Martin anorak to understand the value of that car. So, yeah, you might be hanging around for a little while to get the price that you want. But, my goodness, is it a nice car? Um, so, yeah. I, it- I wouldn't be selling it. I mean, unless you're really, really in need of selling that, that's something that, I think certainly for the foreseeable future is going to hold its value and even increase in value. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We've got another text message. This has come from Paul. Uh, He's got a Nissan Patrol SE V8 2013. It's white with 88,000 kilometres. Yeah, um, always going to be desirable, the patrols. I mean, that car's probably late 80s, I would say. You know, 88, 89 is what you should put that out on the market for, but... You know, there's never going to be a shortage of people that will be queuing up to buy the patrol. No, no, no shortage whatsoever. Um, another text message. Anna has uh, has just, just sent one through saying, uh, uh, I've just got my driving licence and I'm stuck between whether to pay out for a new car or a second-hand one. Now, if I, she said, if I go for a second-hand car, roughly how old should the car be and how many kilometres should it have so I don't have to deal with any issues in the first few years and I drive to Abu Dhabi every day as well? Well, there's a couple of things to unpack there because you've, you've got the fact that you've, you've recently started driving. I mean, I always say never buy a brand new car as your first car because the likelihood, the likelihood of you having a scrape or a bump in that car um, being your first car is very high. I, I remember I had two accidents within the first six months of driving legally, um, and then I never had an accident pretty much for the, yeah. for the rest of my life. So, um I, I would say that, um, you know, go for second hand, but uh, you also sound like you need peace of mind if you're driving back and forth, Anna, to the um, to the Emirates. So, look, I would say you want something with warranty and preferably um, a service contract. So I would say two to three year old used car, probably either a sedan or a small size, midsize SUV, um, because you want something too big with a fuel, of course. Um, and, I, and I think you'll be good to go and then look at getting a new car maybe after a couple of years when you've got a bit more experience. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, normally you would you would say, look, um, in this kind of situation anyway, normally you would say, look, uh, um, let someone else take the hit on a brand new car and uh, and then, you know, get one that's still under warranty near new, but someone's taking the depreciation. Now you can double down on that because, um, you know, there's the, get, buying a new car, as, as anyone who's shopping for a new car knows right now, very expensive. And we're going to touch on that in the second hour as well um, because there are no discounts out there happening. So, yeah, even more so, get a near new car and uh, and then go from there and see how that goes. Yeah, brilliant advice, yeah. Fix it or flip it. Yeah, tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. It's that easy. Uh, Give us as many details as you possibly have. The make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage, previous owners, any history in the UAE, privately imported, dealer bought, anything you've got. It all helps to the story, and we can give you a very accurate reply on that one. Send it to 4001 or via the ARM, ARN Play app. And uh, valuation guru Matthew Davison will do his best to, uh, to, to get those two through to you. Now, we're going straight to the lines now, and uh, we've got Paul on the phone. Paul, you've got a uh, Jeep Wrangler, I believe. 
Yes, that's right. Uh, 2013 Jeep Wrangler two-door manual um, with 140,000 kilometres, full agency maintained. So it's my second car. So do you recommend to um, sell it? And if I do, what should what options have I got in manual? Yeah, um, it, it, there, there is a market for the Jeeps at the moment. And uh, manual, yeah, uh, for, for a Jeep... Um, um, being a manual and auto, I don't think has too much of an impact on it. Matthew, what, what are your thoughts on the 2013 Jeep Wrangler? Yeah, morning. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people that go into the desert um, that are really serious about going into the desert need a manual because you need to keep keep that car um, in the low gears, like uh, preferably just keep it in the first gear to get over the dunes. Uh, and I, I prefer a manual in the desert. So I don't think that's a big deal in terms of selling the car. Uh, I think the thing to look at is now we're going into the summer uh, and certainly the demand for, for off-roading is tapering. Um, I think the value of that is around 55000 in the market right now. If you wanted... To sort of have a little bit of uh, time, I, I think the ideal time to sell it would be early October as people start to see the weather cooling and start thinking about going back out off-roading. But if you did sell it right now, I think you know, you're looking at mid-50s, 55. Okay. Yeah, it's what I expected. But if I do, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's in perfectly good maintained condition. But if I do sell it, what options? I was looking at a patrol safari and things like that. But... Um, yeah, there's, there's not a lot with uh, alternatives out in the market. Yeah, it d depends on your budget, I suppose, because, you know, you, you can go all the way. A lot of people are getting out of Wranglers now for the new Bronco, although they're expensive and very difficult to get hold of. But actually, a friend of mine just swapped out for uh, a Safari, uh, you know, the 4.8 um, and and I think this is, is this is a capable capable vehicle and looks pretty cool as well. So I think that's probably a good option for you if you are coming away from Wranglers. Okay, yeah, and that's what I figured. I had a Safari back in early two thousand, so uh, I know them quite well. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks very much, Paul, and uh, and and good luck with that one. Um, now, based uh, going off the back of that, when uh, Paul's just talking about a manual, uh, we've got Hamza who's uh, texted in. And, and I guess Hamza was, was referring to the uh, the Aston Martin, perhaps that we were talking about earlier, um, Matthew. He said that uh, the manual cars in the UAE are only for car enthusiasts and they don't hold their value. Uh, a lot of truth in that, you'd have to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's quite quite an amazing statistic that they, they say um, only one in 10 people here can properly drive a manual. So if that is the case, then you're, you're restricting your market down to 10%. However, it really does depend on, on the car, because if you look at, say, uh, a Focus ST, they only come in manual. Mm. But a, lo a lot of Europeans that are moving over here, they, they gravitate to them because it's a car that they probably couldn't have in Europe because of the cost of insurance. Um, and, and we just spoke about Wranglers, of course, and there's, there's certain cars that fit that criteria. But a regular car that's got a manual uh, gearbox, I would say not only will it affect the value, but it will also affect the chance of you selling it quite easily. Yeah, it is. It is a car. It is one for the enthusiasts. You've got to uh, bide your time. But as you say, and, and we we're just talking with Paul there, the Jeep Wrangler is one of the exceptions. In fact, they've only just recently gone to full automatic with the with the Wranglers, the the car that we reviewed last time on Motormania. So there's lots of those that are still manual out in the desert. People still like them as. Uh, as uh, the manuals in the desert because you've got more control in the sand and that sort of thing. But uh, it's changing um, 
it's changing very quickly uh, um, as you'd as you'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, and I and I agree. It's um, you know each year that goes on, uh, that that situation is changing massively, and I think maybe in ten years' time, uh, seeing a manual will be uh, pretty rare. Yeah, and um, uh, we're going to go straight to the Lions Day again. We got uh, Umpathi. Uh, you have a Ford Edge twenty fourteen model, I believe. Yes. Yeah, good morning. Uh, so you're, look, you're looking to, to sell the car. Tell us a little bit Matt, about your Ford Edge. Uh, it's, uh, I bought it new. Uh, from two, it's a 2014 model, but I got it in 2015. Uh, I've changed one set of tyres. Uh, so far, no issues. But I, uh, last service, they said there is some clutch issue, uh, which costed me around 3000 Mileage is around uh, 85000 So I just want to have an idea whether... To keep it or flip it. Okay, so you had the clutch replaced then, and that that that, that work has been done. Uh, that's done, and uh, after the clutch work, I feel the car is good. Yeah, I think. I think Matthew, this is these, these are one of the cars where in this climate right now, um, you'll be able to sell it this afternoon, surely. Uh, not far off. I mean, morning. What trim is it? Is it the SE, SEL Limited? Is SEL. Ah, okay, so that's a that's a nice trim as well. Um, just just un, sits under the limited. Uh, I think with those type of kilometres, you'd be looking around um, forty thousand. I'd probably put it online for thirty nine thousand, and then look for close offers to that. But you know, again, when maybe not so much in the advert, but when people come and see the car, just explain how you've looked after it and you've also had that that clutch issue resolved. Um, but yeah, as Damien said, this will move pretty quickly in the market right now. Uh, but um, one question, like how, how long I can keep it in case if I don't want to sell it now? And what will be the ideal time to sell it? Well, you're, you're already into an eight-year-old car uh, and the kilometers are, are starting to creep up. I think the, the, um, the fact that you've just spent some money on the car and it's running well, you can enjoy that certainly for the next six to nine months. But maybe a, a, an ideal opportunity will be to maybe sell it before next summer. Um, so get some use out of this money that you've spent. Um, it, but it depends on other conditions. I mean, you know, how, how are things like tires and, and brakes? You know, is the suspension okay? You know, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deep question to answer. Um, but it'll, it'll be centered around, you know, what you've currently spent on the car and what will be the, the imminent repairs and, 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 and consumables that you need to change in the coming, you know, six to 12 months. And I think also, Umapathy. Uh, I think at the moment we're in it. We're in a very unique situation with the market right now, where there is demand to buy new and used cars because the demand there's so much demand for new cars that they can't fill, which creates demand for the used car market. So you would probably get a, a, a better price for it now, uh, and maybe within no more than twelve months, I think we'll probably start to see things revert back to normal. Thank you. I will keep that in mind. Great, thank you very much. And uh, we've uh, we've got uh, Ewan who's uh, texted in. He has a Range Rover Vogue 2012 model. It's white with 96,000 kilometres on it. Um, one owner, and it's never been off road, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, not unusual that that comment because you you know not too many people will take the Evoque 
um, off-road. Um, certainly, that 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 is something that you can talk to casually to the to the uh, potential buyers that come and see the car. I, I tend to these type of cars. I tend to focus more on on the service history and and if you are the the first owner, you know, talk about that and how much that that you understand the car from the the, the very first kilometer. But in terms of value, I mean, it depends on the trim, if it's a Dynamique or Dynamique Plus. But I would say that car is late 60s, something like 67, 68. Yeah. Uh, do you think the value has been impacted by the uh, the new one that's coming or the delay in the new one? Or is it 2012? It doesn't really matter at this stage of its age. No, no, it doesn't really matter. And, and, and people that are getting into that car, it's probably something they've wanted for a long time and they've been waiting for it to get, you know, below a certain uh, price threshold that that they can enter the market. So, no, and I, and I think, you know, new models of cars really only affect the, the immediate years um, behind them. Uh, it takes a couple of years of the model to be out on the road for it to cascade down into the sort of, you know, you know, the year 17, 16, 15 and, and below. It, the, 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 the older the car, the longer the delta between the new model affecting it. Fix it or flip it. So tell us about your car on this beautiful Saturday morning. We'll tell you how much it's worth and uh, what we need from you is the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. And uh, give us a call on 04871 or get in touch with us via the ARM Play app or give us a text at 4001. And uh, valuation guru Matthew Davison and I will be very happy to uh, to give you as much information as we can on that one. Um, now, we've got another, uh, another text message here, Matthew. Uh, Alex has a Mercedes E500 Coupe. 2011, 86,000 kilometres, beautiful condition, and he's looking for the value. E500 will be drinking the juice right now. Yeah, absolutely. Fuel just continues to be uh, an issue for us here. I was chatting to a friend last night about, um, you know, how many people must have crossed that 500 Durham uh, for a a tank. But the E500 is a a slice of luxury, to be honest. Um, uh, It's going to struggle a little bit because it is that big engine. And I think you're kind of limited at what you can get for that car right now. And I think 55 thousand to to 60 is about the limit for it at the moment yeah it's it's funny how the market has shifted so dramatically just two years ago you'd be going oh, v8 five five liter i'd be i'd be all over that but uh things have changed dramatically in the last uh three three to four months even uh but on the line now we've got ben uh ben you don't have the issue you don't have a problem with a v8 good morning you have a mazda you're looking for to to sell i believe yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, we're relocating back to the UK, and we were just wondering about the value of the car and whether to sell it o- online or, or to go to, uh, directly to a uh, car auctioning company. Yeah, so it's a CX-5, uh, 2017 model, grey. And uh, have you owned it since new, or is it, is it something you've picked up recently? No, it's, it's one owner. We've had it from new. Okay. Uh, Matthew, uh, the CX-5, it's a, it's a really good little car and probably an underrepresented car in this market. It's uh, very popular in, in, other, in other regions. Oh, this is a great caller because um, I was at dinner last weekend with friends and uh, they have a, a 2017 CX-5 <laughs> and they were talking about selling it and asking me about the value of it. And uh, his brother also has exactly the same car, just um, a year younger. 
And I said to them, and this is what I'm going to say to you, this is one of the most saleable cars at the moment. Don't go to any cash buying services or dealers or anybody with this car because you will put this car online and it will sell so fast. The CX-5s and the CX-9s are moving so quickly at the moment. I mean, if it's a mid-level trim um, with those sort of kilometers, I think it's it's around 60,000 right now. Um, I'd probably start it at 65 and then look for offers above 60, but watch the phones light up. Um, you might have to get through some freelancers and dealers who will be chasing that car like crazy, but any genuine caller will probably take that car um, borderline on the phone. That's how, that's how sought after they are. Thank you very much. Yeah, good luck with that, Ben, and, and I can only concur. Um, seriously good vehicle, and uh, not given the plaudits it's, it's, it, it deserves in this region, so you've, you've got a good one there for sure. Brilliant. And uh, moving now on to uh, Sanjeev. Sanjeev, um, you've got a Land Rover LR4. Good morning. And it's um, you're looking to to sell the car? Nope, the other way around. I'm looking to actually, I'm looking for an LR4. Are you looking to buy an LR4? Okay, so uh, an, an older model, uh, 2010 or 11 thereabouts? Yep. The reason I'm looking for that model is because they still have the big motors. I know it's the wrong time to be looking for a big motor, but yeah, I like the big motor, the solidity of the build. I think later on, the cars sort of had smaller engines, so it wasn't quite what I wanted. Yeah, so um, you'd be looking for, yeah. for the uh, for the V6, I guess, that, that that's right? That's right. I think it's a V6 4-litre. Uh, LR4, yeah, the, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, there are a lot around, aren't there, Matthew? Uh, you, I mean, you don't look at any, any sort of shopping mall car park, and you still see them, you know, around the place a lot, and most of them are, <sighs> a lot of them in good condition, too. I know this car so well, I could probably strip it down and rebuild it. I mean, there's two engines, actually. There's a three-litre V6, um, and then there's the five-litre V8, which I think is what you're referring to. Um, That's right, the five-litre V8. Yeah, they stopped, they stopped that engine um, late 2014, so we know that you're going to be shopping before then. Um, I, I would say a, a 2012 to a 2014 is, is where you're, you're, you'll be looking. Um, okay. you know, they're, 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 they're not actually easy to pick up on because they're such a desirable car because they've got that kind of curb appeal, that luxurious sort of Land Rover feel, um, but they're practical they're seven seats, um, you know, leather, so it's easy to clean with the children, etc. Uh, the, the one advantage you have got is that the people might be overlooking the uh, the V8s for the V6s for what we said earlier with the fuel. I think if you've got to say a 2013 with what would be regular kilometers, 100 to 120,000 kilometers, the value would be about 75, 80,000 in the market right now. Um, but by the way, uh, putting the fuel side uh, away a second, uh, they are a beautiful car to drive. And, and uh, I would certainly want the V8 over the V6. It just feels a little bit underpowered, especially in the lower rev range. Um, the V8 just is superior in every way. That's a perfect answer. Thank you so much. It's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah, good, good, uh, good, good shopping, Sanjeev. Um, and uh, yeah, I agree with again with Matthew on that one. Uh, I do like the V8 in that car, and um, yeah, they're, they're finding them not so easy these days. But if you find a good one, good luck to you. Thank you. Great, thanks very much. Now we've got um, uh, have a chat with Cheryl in just a moment about 
her car. And good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thanks, uh, on this uh, Saturday morning. It's getting warm out there, that's for sure. Um, now, you've got, uh, you've got an FJ Cruiser. Tell you what, they're popular. Yes. They're, they're in demand. Well, actually, I was listening. I'm, I'm obviously listening as I'm driving back home. And um, I've been thinking about selling my car for a while now. And I, I get stopped a lot and asked if I can, they can buy the car from me. Quite a few people have asked me. And I'm, I'm just never really sure what it's worth. So I just thought, perfect chance, I'll ask. <laughs> what should I be asking for it? <laughs> Well, because it's only because they, the FJ Cruiser wasn't in production for a super long time, and it's a very popular shape. You're going to get those window stickers for for as long as you have the car. I think uh, Matthew, these the people just want these cars, correct? Yeah, and I'm so glad you called in because I think a lot of people have these situations and they don't know how to handle them. The reason that the freelancers, because that's what the these uh, people are that stop you in the street, they'll claim a you know a lovely story like you know I'm shipping cars to uh you know lebanon or whatever they give you all the stories but the bottom line is they want to buy it so they can flip it and make some money um and i think they hope that you don't know the true value and and it's rife at the moment because you know people uh, don't realize that their car might be worth more money than they paid for it if they bought it a year or two ago so uh yeah they're they're, they're jumping all over you what year is it and what is the trim is it gxr vxr do you know that it's a GXR and it's the 2017 model, and I'm sitting at just under 99,000 kilometres. Oh, what a great time to sell it right when it's on the, <laughs> on that that really sweet number. Um, I, I think, look, the value may surprise you, it may not, but I, I think you're you're looking around 100,000 dirhams right now for that car. Um, yeah. I think if you put it online at 99,000 fixed price, okay you would sell yeah. that very quickly. And it makes life a little bit easier because when people call, you can say, uh, whatever you say to me, the price is fixed. I'm not going to move. So if you want to pay 99, let's do this. Yeah. Um, I would imagine people in the street, if, if you have got people making you offers, you can guarantee yeah. they're about 15 to 20K below that because that's the margin they'll want to make. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually not had anyone make me a firm offer. It was, it was randomly in, a pe in the petrol station beside my house two gentlemen one day after the other both said can i buy can i ha i really want this car and i was a bit like what right now you know what I, I can't give you it now no i'm not i'm not selling <laughs> but it, it did just make me think or oh, maybe i do actually have quite a popular car <laughs> so just out of interest because i think this is a great question what before we told you what it was worth what would you have expected it to be worth well okay I would do my research, but let me pretend to be really dumb for a minute. I, I looked at how much I owed to the bank for the car and thought, yes. well, if I back what I owe, then that's going to be good. But that, if you're saying 100, I'd potentially make that, the same back again, you know. So um, I, I think I paid about 110 for it in 2019. So if I made yes, 100 on it, that would be that's right. Not no, and this, this is this is the whole point of the conversation that most people are roaming around not knowing the true value of their car. And also, as yeah. long as you're not under pressure that you need to sell it within a few days, um, no, yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can sit through those calls that, that offer you the silly offers to get to the people yeah. that are serious. But that car, um, all day long, will sell for 99000 and um, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a bad time to get out of it as well. Um, I mean, yeah. you, you're looking at nearly three years uh, a depreciation of ten percent. Not bad.
Yeah, no, not bad at all. And I mean, uh, the, the intention is always to sell it before I leave. I intend to leave next year. But if you're saying that, I mean, what? I guess my next question is, would it? Could that price go down rapidly, or would this be like if I try to sell next May as I'm getting ready to leave? Could it have dropped in price dramatically? No, I, I would hold it till next May uh, because let's say even if it depreciated another ten thousand, uh, which is yeah. I believe the maximum it would be. What you couldn't rent something, buy anything, you couldn't you couldn't get transport for a year for that low amount of money. So. Um, hang on to it till next May. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to depreciate massively. It, it, uh, you'll probably be talking to me and I'll be saying, put it on for 95 to take offers above 90 um, because it's a very desirable car. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go the two phone numbers of the other guys and I might just play them off each other. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. You're, you're in the box seat, that's for sure, Cheryl. So, uh, yeah, all, all the <laughs> best with that one. <laughs> Thank you so much. No problem. Going straight now to uh, to to Jennifer. Good morning, Jennifer. You have got uh, an Audi Q5 two liter, uh, a silver one that you bought in 2013, and you're the still the first owner. Is that correct? Yeah. Good morning. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I, I am the first owner of the car. Okay, so you've got 96,000 kilometers on it, and uh, now you've asked me here. You're not sure whether to sell the car or change it to right-hand drive and take it to the UK. And how much would it be worth if you if it was sold here? Or take it back to the UK? It's a question we do get a lot, isn't it, Matthew, where people are saying, do I take this car back with me or do I sell it and take the cash over? Yeah, I mean, um, I certainly wouldn't do that. The cost of conversion is, is going to be way out, way outside of what this car is even worth. So that, that's not going to happen. I mean, you can, you can leave it as a left-hand drive and you have to do a conversion to the lights because... If, when, when you're driving a car with a left-hand side steering wheel, the, the, the lights are pointing, obviously, towards the right, um, so they don't blind the oncoming traffic. And, and in the UK, that's the opposite. So you need to have the headlights uh, adjusted, which is about uh, £1,000, in, in, uh, which is about 5,000 dirhams. Uh, so, look, that, all of that probably isn't an option. I think if it's an S-line, um, the, the kilometers are really good to be under 100. And the fact that you're the sole owner is pretty rare as well. Um, but I would put the value at mid-50s if it's the S-line um, because the kilometers are so low and you're a, a single owner. If it's not the S-line, um, I would say you're looking at about 47 uh, to, to 49. Yeah, and, and, and I think with that one, Jennifer, if, if you're looking at that kind of – to spend that to, uh, to do the conversion uh, plus the shipping valuations, there are – the Q5 two liter, because it's a two liter two, there's a lot of them available in the UK, and you'd, I, I think you probably financially would be better off to sell the car here. You'd snap one up within a within a week or two of getting back. That would be a very similar spec if that if that's what you wanted to uh, continue driving. Okay, so so it's not worth to to do the conversion here. In, in no, yeah. I, I I would I, my personal opinion, I would I would sell it and I'd buy a, a very similar one when I get home. Okay, perfect then. Yeah, yeah. He, just to, just to, to add to that, even the cost of even if you left it as a left-hand drive and just did the lights conversion, the cost of shipping it and converting the lights and and paying the 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 the, the tax uh, for the UK as well when it arrives, the the VAT, it's just not. It just doesn't make economic sense. It, this would have to be a much rarer car and exactly like Damien said, a bigger engine car to make it even a uh, starter. You know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All cool. the best. Thank you so oh. much. Fix it or flip it.
Very simple. Tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. We're in the home stretch and we're going straight to the line because we have Mike on the phone. Mike, thanks for hanging on during during that uh, break there. Um, now, you've got an interesting one here regarding a 2014 Morgan Roadster. Tell us about your dilemma. Uh, morning, gents. Thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, I've... Um um, because it's a slightly unusual car, I'm actually just looking for a set of tyres rather than uh, um, Matthew uh, looking to, to get a price on it. I've been trying to get a set of tyres for some time and I've gone around all of the usual avenues and, and they're not that unusual. They're 20560 R15s, but I can't get them for a lot of the money. And then when I'm getting quoted a price, it's literally four times the price of the equivalent tyre that's, uh, you know, let's say a 65 profile. Um, so the question is, do you know any specialists, uh, any, anybody that just, just imports specific tyres? Because the main dealers just don't seem to be interested. Yeah, uh, uh, it might be the uh, uh, 15-inch rims, perhaps, that, that that's doing it with that profile. I but think, uh, what do you think? Man, you might be right. Yeah, yeah morning. Um, what a great question. And, uh, you, you know, it, it might be a little bit easier to explain. So... Um, uh, whether you uh, have heard before, but I, I sit on the leadership team of Supercars Majlis, which is the biggest supercar club in the Middle East. And um, we we work with Pirelli. And I had lunch with Pirelli. And, and here's, a, here's a tentative link. That was when my car was hit when I was parked in the car park while I was upstairs having a lunch with Pirelli. And I was talking to them about the shortage of tires just everywhere. And they, they do uh, race tires like um, Corsa and, and Trofeo R. And I said, guys, when are you going to get some Trofeo R? And they said, Matthew, like nobody knows. It's just um, there's a global shortage and problem with tires. And uh, I don't think you're going to solve the issue here. I think it might be a painful process of, of, of getting online and looking for, for people that have those tires or businesses that have those tires globally and actually shipping them in because – Although you may think the cost of shipping them in is expensive, um, the, the cost of the tyre might not be where, where it's located and it might balance itself out. But, you know, I've got friends at the moment that are shipping tyres in from all over the world for, for various different um, sports cars and hypercars because they just can't get them here. So, uh, unfortunately, it's going to hurt you in the pocket. And, and realistic, you, re realistically, you're going to have to bring it in from abroad. Yeah, unfortunately, that's what I thought would be the case, you know. Yeah, it might, it might, anyway. be, might be a case of speaking to, to the Morgan Club and the guys that you know, perhaps in the UK or elsewhere, um, because it's such a specific thing. And, and, and on top of that, the issues we've got here with supply, that might um, that might be the way that you've probably already thought of that you wanted to try and avoid might be the only way out of it. Yes, yeah, spot on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know I can get them in the UK, for example, but then, as you say, then it's 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 at the moment I'm getting quotes that are uh, equating to like uh, you know four times the price of the tire. But uh, if that's the only way, I love the car. It's a brilliant car, so uh, it's 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 uh, it's it's not the worst crime in the world if that's the way I have to go. Well, all the best with that one, and uh, well, look at look at the bright side. When you do get them fitted, the weather should be nice, and you can take it out for a run. <laughs> Exactly. Thanks, Jens. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks very much, Mike. We're going straight now to Karim. Now, Karim, good morning. You've got a very popular car for this region. We talk about this one nearly every show. Um, it is the Prado 2015. Tell us more about this one. Yes, hi. Good morning. Uh, thank you for uh, bringing me in. So I have a, a Prado 15, 2015 VXR. I'm a second owner. Uh, it's like doing 157,000 kilometers. 
So I took it to uh, the dealership after I bought it a couple of times. So I would like to know the range of price for this car. Matthew, where do you begin? A white Prado, uh, four litre. Um, nah. n- name, a, name a figure. <laughs> yeah, we talk about these a lot. I mean, the, the VXR, the four litre V6 is, is the absolute one. Um, another car that the kilometres don't matter. Actually, 150,000 kilometres is actually perfectly normal for a, for a Prado. But, um, you know, you're, you're knocking on the door still of 100,000 for that car. Mm. Um, mm. And, 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 Again, another one that's going to sell very quickly, and they just depreciate at such a a, a low rate. I mean, you know, I keep seeing um, you know two thousand nine, two thousand ten Prado selling for you know forty five, fifty k, and I'm just thinking, do these things ever lose money? Hmm. Yeah, um, you, you you will get your money back. That is for sure, and uh, and yeah, you'll be in a similar situation to our previous caller about getting uh, people leaving notes on windscreens. I'm sure you've had a few of those offers for the car. Hmm. But but there's no specific number or figure we're talking about. Yeah, well, your your car's value is around a hundred thousand currently in the market. That's what we're saying. Okay, great. Uh, I have another one, if you don't mind. Sure. So I have uh, also a Q, Q50 Infinity uh, 2.0 liter uh, basic Daimler engine, full history in the dealership. Uh, I'm the first owner, mm-hmm. zero accidents. So what's the range for that one? Very quickly, uh, Matthew. What's the year? I'm sorry? What is the year? How old is it? Uh, 2015. Oh, 2015. So look, the Q50 again is uh, a car that's that got that reliability from from Nissan, of course. But I think with those kilometres, again, you're probably looking, I would say, late 40s, 48 to to 50 for that car. Super, brilliant. Well, I hope that uh, that one helps. Um, now we've got uh, we've got a text message here from AJ and this is an, an interesting one for you Matthew um, hi Ch- I think he was on the line earlier but uh, you know we've got the, we've got the, we've got the details here hi chaps uh, I have a 1967 Toyota FJ45 uh, interested to know what it's worth four-speed gearbox but here's the kicker it's got a six-cylinder Lexus motor and in great condition <laughs> where would you begin <laughs> I know it sounds crazy I know I know so much about these cars because a friend of mine keeps asking me to to set up a business importing these cars in and he keeps saying look i want to bring these cars in uh they're, they're so classic um uh, we can set up a, like a cafe where you can uh, drink coffee and watch them being modified and stuff so I've, i i know i've definitely got somebody that would buy this um and 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 that's genuine if you want to uh, reach out you know off off air i've got an insanely passionate friend about these but um, you know, you won't find many of them here. There's a website in the States called Bring a Trailer, mm. and we're, 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 often, we're often on that uh, I lose site. many looking, hours a day looking at that. I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't either, but I'm, I'm all day long looking. And a 67 with that type of power unit, um, I know they go for sort of mid-$70,000. Um, that's what they're selling for over in the States. So I suppose if you took that value, added on a little bit of um, import duty, um, you know, you, you're already well, well uh, up into several hundred thousand dirhams. Um, you know, I would say here uh, that would be worth 350, yeah. you know, free, free, probably 340 to 350. 
Um, but, you know, and that's based on it being in, in, in fantastic condition, of course. But, um, yeah, th this is a business opportunity. Of, of, you know, if I had more time, I would definitely be involved in that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah for sure. It's 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 a desirable one, and um, yeah, yeah, same. I get a lot of people saying same same thing. Let's let's do something like this. So yeah, there will be no shortage of people who'd want that one. Uh, right, let's get into the speed quote, and yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to get stuck into this one straight away. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, here we go. So we've got a uh, Ford Edge SEL three point five liter twenty seventeen gold second owner. Are you looking at mid fifties? Hyundai Santa Fe, 2017, 100,000 kilometres. Oh, that will sell very, very quick. Um, that's late 40s, I thought. Uh, GMC Sierra two-door, 2016, 85,000 kilometres. Did you say 17? 16. Oh, 16. So that'll be about late 70s, 78. Uh, Mercedes 350 ML, 2006, 133K. Oh, that'll be too much pain. That'll be about 18,000, 19,000. Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited Maroon 2017, 135k. Uh, around 90,000 in the market. Uh, the old favourite, Pajero 2015, 3.5 litre, 118,000. Crazy, but it'll still do 50,000. <laughs> Another Pajero 3.8 signature, 2020, 5,000 kilometres, three months old, white, black roof. Oh, top of the line, 85, maybe even 90. Ooh. There you go. Uh, that is uh, that is. I got I got seven fingers pointing at me from Arnold through the through the booth. So you've got seven there. Amazing that that Pajero that twenty twenty the three point eight that that's a, that will fly. That will that will sell so quickly. Absolutely, absolutely. It'll it'll do it'll do wonders. Uh, look, thank you so much again. What's your what's your plans for the rest of the weekend? You're going to you get getting the Tesla repaired, or are you going to uh, go out for one last blast in a, in a nice car before it gets way too hot? Uh, I, I've got some um, errands to run, but then I'm probably going to just enjoy Azerbaijan, the, the Baku Grand Prix. Um, I was at there myself in 2018, so I've got fond memories of that. That was when the Red Bulls actually crashed right in front of my eyes at the start-finish line. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to bed down and, and watch the Grand Prix and just run some errands this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a great one. A lot of, uh, lot of UAE personnel working there as marshals and everything else. So a big cheerio to those guys and a big thanks. Uh, thank you so much, Matthew, and uh, we'll see you in, uh, in two weeks' time. Take care.